We talk about spiritual gifts today, and uh, you know, it, it's perfect timing because Disney decided to release a movie that's probably the best sermon you can watch on spiritual gifts. Is, have, have you seen this one, Encanto? It's very good. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Um, for the sake of copyright issues, we're not going to watch the whole thing today, although that would probably serve our purpose a little bit better than what I have to say. Uh, not to downplay what I have to say again, man, I'm just giving myself a hard time today. And uh, it's been an hour getting my car out of the snow, so I'm feeling, uh, you know, anyways, we won't get into that. So um, uh, what, I, what I do want to do is show a brief quick uh, clip. It's near the beginning of the movie, so I'm not giving really that much away. You would see something similar in the trailer. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. And uh, now I do warn you online, I warn the tech people that there's a chance the, 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 the gods at Disney might kick us off of YouTube if we play this clip, but uh, we'll figure it out and we'll get back live as soon as we can if that happens. I don't think it will, but you never know. Um, so here's just a two minute clip. It's one of the opening songs kind of sets the, sets the movie up. Let's, let's watch it real quick. ceremony is tonight. What's his gift? We're gonna find out. What's your gift? Who's asking? Us? Well, us. I can't just talk about myself. I'm only part of the amazing Madrigals. Who's all the amazing Madrigals? Ah, you're not gonna leave me alone, are you? Casita, help me out. Drawers. Rhythm of its own design. This is my family, a perfect constellation. So many stars, and everybody gets to shine. Whoa! Let's take care of while I run this show. Whoa! She let us here so many years ago. Whoa! And every year our family's blessings grow. There's just a lot you simply got to know. So, welcome to family, Madrigal. The home of the family, Madrigal. Why coffee's for grown-ups. Might be a bedlock, her mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. Might be a Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. They say he saw the future. One day he disappeared. Oh, and that's why mom All right, that's, that's all we're going to watch today. We'll see, we'll see how the live stream works. Uh, I think we'll be all right, but we'll see. And uh, YouTube will just take it out later. But um, uh, it's a great little film, and it's a story about a family where every member of the family has a unique, special gift, except for our main character, Maribel. She doesn't. And she has to, the whole story kind of explores this experience of what it feels like to be in a community of people where you're surrounded by gifted and talented, they have so much to offer, a very specific, well-known, popular gift that serves the whole community, and you don't have that. What I had intended this week to preach on, uh, as we walk through the series on many gifts, I intended to preach on, you know, that very topic. What happens when you're a part of a community when you're part of the church, 
and you don't feel like you have something to offer. Um, maybe there's somebody here that that applies to. Uh, maybe you've got it all figured out and you're very confident with what you have to contribute our community or the, the church with a capital C. But there's a good possibility, and I've spent parts of my life and large portions of my life here where you are that character in the story where you're like, you look around, you see all of these gloriously talented, spiritually gifted individuals, and you're wondering whether you have something to offer at all. The story explains it really well. Um, I'm going to spend some time in scripture and offer you a couple of ideas on how to address if you've ever felt that way. Um, if you've ever wondered what your spiritual gift is, if you've ever wondered what you have to offer, in a much bigger perspective than just spiritual gifts, but if you've wondered what you have to offer God's community, the kingdom of God, um, I hope to offer a few thoughts. Um, specifically, I want to share three um, reasons why you might not be able to identify your gift to the community. Three reasons why you might not be able to identify your gift. The first one is inspired a little bit by the movie Encanto, and it's this. You can put that up uh, first slide. You might not be able to see your gift if you're looking for something magical. This is kind of the, the whole basis of the story in Kanto is there's one character who doesn't have a magical gift to offer the community, but in reality, she has a lot of other gifts. And this happens in church as well, that there's this sense that we want to have something supernatural, something profound, something magical to be able to offer the community. If you don't have that, if you're much more just like a, you know, not in a bad way, just a mundane human being like I am most days, where you're like, I don't have anything spectacular, supernatural, magical to offer the community. I don't speak in tongues. I've never healed anyone. Never healed anyone. My son Finn did something supernatural the other day. Blew my mind. He came home from school. He said, Dad, um, I want to pray to God. And I was like, whoa. You think that wouldn't be, that's so, still surprising as a pastor. Me and Alyssa are grateful for our city kids because they do a better job of probably raising Finn in the church than I do. That's another conversation. But he said, I want to pray to God. And uh, he says, uh, what do you want, God? This was a couple days ago. And I was just like, I was honestly just like, I could really use some summer. So Finn, right there in the car on the way home from school, says, it's the cutest little thing. He says, God, can you give Daddy some summer? Amen. And, uh, and then he explained, I kind of wanted fall, but I was going to pray for summer because that's what you wanted. And I was like, that's cool. I kid you not, friends. The day after this, 68 degrees out. I was like, what? Now, I don't think that's how prayer works, but also that's kind of how prayer works. Like, I don't know, like, there's a great mystery to how all of this, I mean, like, forecast, weather forecasters knew it was going to be 68 already, so, like, how does the providence of God play out, and blah, 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 blah. But it was still, like, this crazy experience where, literally, there was a day of summer the day after my son. So this is kind of like these supernatural, beautiful moments. But I've never healed anyone. I've never spoken in tongues. The closest thing I have to a miracle would be circumstantial at best, similar to that story. And sometimes that's what we want. Sometimes that's how we think about spiritual gifts. Like in the movie Encanto, you have to have super strength, or you have to have foreknowledge, or whatever. Here's what's interesting. I'm going to put up a couple of lists of, um, uh, um, uh, of spiritual gifts here. Let's put, go to the next slide. 
The first uh, predominant list is in 1 Corinthians 12. We spent some time the last couple of weeks in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Uh, this isn't the only list of spiritual gifts. There's another one in Romans. Go to the next slide. He also says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy. So you've got these various lists of spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts, but I was thinking about this. You know, of all of the spiritual gifts, there aren't very many like full-blown supernatural ones. Most of them are really mundane, practical things that you kind of have to learn to do. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't enable you to do them and that you can't, you can't really fully do them without God's help. I mean, God plays a part in all of this. All good gifts come from Father Head. But if you put this list up, go to the next slide, um, what you end up is you have these supernatural gifts, healing tongues and miracles. And what I mean by supernatural is like there's not a class on miracles. You know, actually there is. I took it in seminary. Not helpful. Still haven't done a miracle. Like, there's, there's not like you can't practice miracles. Like, I'm just going to, you know, really spend the next year getting better at doing miracles. But this other list of super plus natural, where it does require the participation of the Spirit of God to do it well, but it's still this natural component where you're like, you can get better at it, and you have to invest in it, and it takes some time. That's most of the spiritual gifts, teaching, helping people. Now, I'm not saying helping people isn't supernatural, but, I mean... There's also an element where you just kind of have to put some energy into it. Leadership, encouragement. Now, don't get me wrong. True encouragement that this comes right at the right time you need it. I mean, there's something supernatural about that. But also being an encouraging person, it just takes some intentionality, some discipline, service, generosity, uh, mercy, uh, guidance. I would even say healing is under supernatural gifts because in this context it's talking about like supernatural healing, but just the, having the spiritual gift to help people heal either emotionally or as a doctor physically and using, I mean, th that even isn't always supernatural. There's a component where you can learn how to do this well. So here's, here's my first principle. If you're like, man, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. And one of the reasons you might be struggling with that is you're looking for something magical. There might be something very mundane, practical, this gift that you have to offer our community or the community you're a part of, or the wider community of Columbus area or the, the world, that just takes a little bit of intentionality. It takes a little bit of practice. The Spirit of God's going to work in that. The Spirit of God's going to work in the midst of it. But it's not going to happen just because you, you know, click your fingers and you're like, this is what I want, or you tap your shoes together, like, no place like home. It's not, it's not a miracle in that sense. It's not supernatural in that sense. It takes our willingness to participate. There's this old proverb that I learned at a very young age, and it's, I think, a really worthwhile principle. You know, when we, we're, next week we're going to talk about how do we find our calling. As we talk about spiritual gifts, we're really talking about what does it mean to find our calling. We're going to spend some more time with that, but I want to say this today. One of the things that around calling is um, someone said it's a lot easier to steer a moving car. You know, if you want to turn a car around, without putting it into drive, it takes an immense amount of energy. You have to lift it up and, you know, you need something that can lift it up and turn it around and move it in a different direction. But if you're willing to move a little bit, it actually, you can turn your car around relatively easily. I mean, you can get it stuck in tight spots and stuff, but like you can turn your car around by maneuvering it. And this is one of the ways. You, sometimes our contribution to community happens because we're willing to start moving. 
in whatever direction. We start using what we have, whatever it is, and we just start doing something with it. And we're not waiting for that miracle. We're not waiting for that beam of light or that burning bush. We're just, I have these things that I'm interested in, I'm gonna use them. That's the first one. Maybe you're looking for something magical, something profound, the supernatural moment. In reality, you've got something very practical that you can offer our community or the world. The second reason you might not be able to see your gift if you're looking for something spiritual, which is so interesting. I have fun with this because it's so counterintuitive. We're talking about spiritual gifts, but if you're looking for something spiritual, you, you might actually, this might actually trip you up. I want to share with you, uh, keep it here. I'll let you know when they go to the next slide. Um, I want to share with you one of the most profound verses in my life. I was reflecting on this week. Especially one of the most profound verses in my life that I've, I don't think I've ever preached on, which is always very interesting because I've been doing this for a little while. Um, I've never preached on this as far as I know. It might have been read in worship, but I didn't even realize how profound it was until I started thinking through this sermon. It's in the Old Testament. See, in high school, I was an art student. And uh, by the time I was close to graduating, my junior and senior year, I spent every available class in art, uh, drawing, painting. I loved creating things to this day. Um, uh, that's my primary thing. I like to create things. And uh, whether it's the, the new shower we have in our home, if you're on Facebook, maybe you saw some pictures. I'm relatively okay, proud with it. Uh, it but, it, you know, it's not perfect. But for first tiling job, it's pretty good. Uh, but to crafting a sermon. But all the way in high school, it was all about art. And in the traditional sense, it was oil paints, acrylics. I uh, did a lot of pastels. And I spent every waking hour in art class. But my art teacher was not only a fantastic art teacher teaching me college-level uh, uh, art, um, I realized that later when I went and took a college-level class at an art institute, I was like, oh, I learned all of this in high school. So great art teacher, but he was also a bit of a person who was discipling me. And I remember this one moment in art class um, early on in my experience with art where he, he knew I was a Christian and we, we hosted some prayer meetings in his art class and, you know, like we had a relationship. And so he sits me down and he opens up the Bible and uh, um, he, uh, he, he goes to this Old Testament passage that I'd never heard about before. And he, and he reads it for me. Put it, put it up here, the next slide, I believe. He reads this passage. He says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezela, son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for works in gold, silver, and bronze, and to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. And my art teacher was explaining to me, and he was kind of out of the, and I was at the time, very traditional evangelicalism, where like basically if the Bible didn't teach it, it wasn't true. Like, like if the Bible didn't mention it, that it didn't mean anything. And, and so he, this, this carried an immense amount of weight for us. Because here's this passage that said that one of the spiritual gifts, not listed in Corinthians or Romans thousands of years later, but one of the spiritual gifts where the Spirit of God can gift somebody was art. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I, I can't imagine. I'm just beginning to realize the profound impact that's had on my life, to shape the way in which I appreciate creativity as a gift from God. Think about it like this. 
Imagine you have a talent. I'm sure you do. A gift, a passion, an interest. Imagine um, that you, at a young age, first interested in this gift, this passion, this interest, stumbled upon a Bible verse that codified it for you, that just made it, without a shadow of a doubt, convinced you that this was something God was interested in. Think about it right now. Maybe, maybe your hobby's like uh, trains. That was a hobby once. I don't know. Maybe people still are into trains. And you ran into a Bible verse that said, I have, the Spirit of God has enabled you to be really into trains. Some guy in the Bible story. Pick something else that's more practical. Whatever. My point is, imagine whatever your gift is, whatever your interest is, whatever you have to offer the community, your, your family, your, your community, you ran into this verse where it said, man, that that's actually was used by God to do something significant. This guy here, he was building the tabernacle. It would be the first sort of organized worship environment for the people of God. It was meant to channel the holiness of God in a way that wouldn't kill people, which is what the Old Testament's all about. How do we get in contact with the holiness of God without the holiness of God destroying us? We need God's holiness to heal us, but we can't be too close to God. And so he's going to build the tabernacle in such a beautiful way that we can experience God's holiness and start to experience sanctification and foreshadowing to the crosses. He's doing this amazing thing. Imagine you run into this passage that that does that names something that you're interested in, how would that make you feel? Here's my encouragement. However that would make you feel is exactly how God wants you to feel about that thing. And this comes back to how we read and understand Scripture. There's a a way in which we read scripture that I grew up experiencing where I guess we believe that scripture said something about everything that was important. And if scripture didn't talk about it, then it wasn't important. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Have any of you done a spiritual gifts assessment? You know, I've done it. We've offered them at church, spiritual gifts assessment. Uh, how many of those spiritual gifts assessment uh, had arts and crafts on it? Anyone, any of those have? No, I don't. None of the ones I've taken have had them. Even though you've got this passage in Exodus that clearly says arts and crafts is one of the things that God can spiritually gift you in. No, what, what spiritual gifts assessments do is they take that list from uh, Romans and that list from Corinthians and maybe a few other places in the New Testament, and then they come up with an assessment, and they say, here are the spiritual gifts, because here are the gifts that are listed in the New Testament. Can, Tim, can we go back to, to, to Romans, for example? Uh, two slides, yeah, one more. What's interesting is they, they, they come up with this list of all of these gifts, and then they say, okay, this is, these, are, these are the only, these must be the spiritual gifts. But here's what's so interesting, you're not even reading the text at that point. Because the point of this passage and the point in 1 Corinthians isn't about listing, here's the comprehensive list of spiritual gifts. No, the point of this passage, you read it for yourself. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And then he lists a few examples. If you have a a particular gift to offer, use it to the full hilt that you have it. That's his point. And he offers five or six examples of what that could look like. Not a comprehensive list, just a few examples. Go back one more slide. I think Corinthians is uh, 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 up there as well. Same thing, he lists a few. 
but, but not as a comprehensive list, as just, once again, examples of the bigger point he's trying to make. There are lots of different gifts here, are a few of them. I don't think the spiritual gifts lists are comprehensive in the Bible. I don't think that was their point. Um, so maybe you don't feel like you have a gift to offer the kingdom of God because you're looking for something that people call spiritual. We've decided here are the spiritual gifts. And some things are spiritual and other things aren't. And these are the gifts we need in the church because Paul said they were. And these gifts, you know, might be useful elsewhere, but they're not useful in the church. I think when we take that mindset, we forget what this is all about. Spiritual gifts aren't spiritual because they're listed in Corinthians or Romans, no offense to Paul. They're spiritual because they were things the church needed, and God gave people the ability to do them and thus build the community. If God has given you something that can help our community, the wider community, the world, that's what makes the gift spiritual. The fact that God gave it. Not that it's on a list. I don't care what it is. It could be something extremely practical, extremely mundane. Maybe not even that exciting to other people. Be counting numbers, administration, caring about people. I, I don't know what it is for you. Actually, I do know what it is for some of you because we're a fairly small community. I know you fairly well. God has given you that to bless your family, your community, the wider world, and that is what makes the gift spiritual. One of the, one of the important things around spiritual gifts, uh, f- f- kind of stepping back, is, is this idea that God is interested in building a new kind of community. And all spiritual gifts are about is giving us what we need to do that. And it comes back to a very simple lesson. You have something that God has given you that we need. And I'm not just talking about me. I need it, but so does your neighbor. I don't know what it is. I, I, have, a, I have some inclination of what my spirit, you know, some of the things I have to offer, but I don't even, that, is, that changes over time. In fact, my role as a pastor morphs and changes as the seasons morph and change. And I have to be open to the spirits leading and kind of discern and do that in the context of community and with our board. And I got a meeting scheduled with our with our SPRC to talk specifically about that in the next couple of weeks is like our, my role changes. So God meets us in the season where we're at, in the season where you're at, and gives you something so you can offer the community. So that's my challenge for you. I really challenge you. You have something. And I don't think it's just spiritual gifts. You have a perspective and you have passions. This gets me in trouble sometimes, but here's the thing. I can't be passionate about everything. It's exhausting. Friends, you can't be passionate about everything. And there are people in our community who are passionate about some things that I'm not nearly as passionate about. And I don't see that as a competition. I see it as a blessing because they keep reminding me that it's important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's important at all if they wouldn't keep talking about it. And I'm not complaining. You have unique passions. You have unique gifts, unique personality. And I'm friends, we need it. I need it. Your neighbor needs it. 
The last one is, first, you might not, you might not be able to see it because you're looking for something magical. You might not be able to see it because you're looking for something spiritual. The, the last one, very simple, won't spend a lot of time on it, is you might not be able to see your gift because you're looking for something loud. We, we spent a lot of time on this the last uh, couple weeks ago, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but in um, uh, um, 1 Corinthians 12, I think the next slide has the verse up here, um, it talks a lot about He's talking about how there were certain gifts in the Corinthian church that were celebrated above others. There were loud gifts. And in every community, and every family, there are certain gifts that get a lot of attention. And um, uh, there are other gifts that are just as important. They don't get as much attention. And sometimes we, in our insecurity, want those louder gifts, the gifts that get attention, the gifts that are impressive. And that can distract us from what we actually have to offer. Um, and so this verse here, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, that seem to be quieter, that are easily dismissed, that people don't know about, they're the ones that are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. I love this. It's actually a really profound passage around uh, what is actually fair. You know, that's a common conversation in, in the American world where it's like, well, we should all be treated the same. Well, not according to 1 Corinthians 12, actually. <laughs> that actually, if you are given places of prestige or privilege or, you know, I'm up front a lot and a lot of people know who I am and I get a lot of airtime, you know, and I don't get, I shouldn't be treated with special honor. That those who are serving in the background that you don't know, they're the ones who should be lifted up. So this whole idea that we should all be treated the same is actually not biblical at all um, throughout Scripture. Just go to the Magnificat and you'll, you'll get into that from a socioeconomic perspective. But here we see specifically that it's those quiet gifts, those things that we have to offer that a lot of people don't know about. They're the ones that we need to celebrate the most. I don't really say this because if you're sitting here and you're wondering what I have to offer the world, and I'm sure most of us have figured this out, or maybe we're figuring it out all over again, because um, like I said, church happens in seasons. Um, it's very possible that what you have to offer and what God is calling you to do is not spectacular. And I know that that's not the American preacher positivity that you maybe wanted this morning. <laughs> God's going to do great things with you. And those great things might not get a lot of attention. They just might not. And friends, that's okay. And that's part of maturity, that you'd be trusted with something that doesn't get a lot of attention. This is a lesson I had to learn you know, early on, and I'm still learning it, um, when I have to step out of the way and it no longer becomes about me. Uh, I have to let go of control. This is... This is this is something we have to constantly learn. But there's a passage in Colossians uh, 3, 23 to 24, says it like this. He says, whatever you do, work, it with, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance for the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Oh, if we could just understand that. This is a great little story that Jesus tells about these parable of the talents. He wasn't talking about talents like we think of talents. He's talking about money, but it can apply to a variety of things. And he gives a little bit to one guy and a little bit more to another and a lot more to another. Are you familiar with this parable? Some of you uh, have heard it before. And the one with a little bit, with just only a little bit, uh, just buries it. Isn't that what we do? If we don't have something that's impressive or 
big enough or cool enough or that's going to wow people or get someone's attention. We just like, I'm not going to do anything at all. The reality is, is whatever we do, even if it's just a little, we got to do it with all of our heart because we're not serving to impress other people. We're not serving to, 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 to show off to other people. We are here to serve God. Those are some of my thoughts around maybe one of the ways in which we fail to see what we have to offer. If you're looking for something magical, maybe super, super natural, um, maybe that'd be great. I, I would love uh, if there's someone here who has some of those more supernatural gifts, that'd be great. Um, maybe you're looking for something that is typically spiritual. Um, and uh, what God has given you is much more practical that uh, what you have to offer is just as valid and the Spirit of God can still use it and the Spirit of God can still take whatever it is, your profession, your, your calling, your workplace, and God can do something beautiful with it. Or maybe you're looking for something loud when in reality God's calling us to something quiet and less uh, um, intrusive. There's this moment at the end of Encanto. I don't want to give the story away, although I, I got the sense from the room that many of us have watched it. Um, there's this story where the whole story is around all of these family members have gifts except for this one girl. And there's this moment in the song where the uh, grandmother uh, says, uh, the miracle is you, not some gift, just you. The miracle is you. And, and I think ultimately that's the lesson for today. I, I, don't, I don't know what gift God has given you, but I, I'm absolutely confident in the gift that you are, that have been given to us. Just your presence. Just the fact that you're here. The fact that you're willing to talk to somebody, the fact that you're in a small group, or you're down with the city kids, or you serve on the board, or you're wrestling with hard topics or issues, you're engaged in the conversation around racism and dismantling white privilege, whatever, whatever participation looks like for you, that is a gift in and of itself and I'm so grateful you're here. And if there's some way that we can help you figure out how you can contribute, oh, I'd love to do that. We're going to talk more about that next week. We're going to talk specifically around uh, ways in which you can kind of identify your call as we wrestle with uh, spiritual gifts. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about how it's ultimately not about spiritual gifts. It's about spiritual fruit. And the greatest gift you can give the community is love and all the things about love. So first and foremost, if you're not sure where to start, you can start loving people because that's worth more than... Any amount of speaking in tongues, in my very humble and Paul's humble opinion, Paul's not so humble opinion, he's very bold about that one. Um, uh, today, we're, you know, here's some things that might be barriers to understanding what God is calling you. Next week, we're going to talk about how do we discover our call. And I know that many of us are kind of been on life's journey for a little while. Um, I think this is an ongoing thing that we have to figure out. So we're going to transition our time of worship uh, to communion. So if you have your elements at home, I encourage you to get those ready. And here you can get those ready. Today, we don't do this all the time, but today we are going to do some liturgy, and which in, involves some call and response. So the words that uh, I'd like for you to s recite um, will be on the screen. If you feel led, there's no pressure. You don't have to read words you don't believe in. And traditionally, before we take communion, part of it is because of some of the scripture passages around communion and how people were abusing communion, is traditionally we start communion from a place of confession, where we lay our hearts before God, uh, saying, hey God, you know what? I'm human. I haven't always gotten it right. I know your grace covers me, but I just want to be open and honest about our relationship and the ways in which I've failed. So 
Uh, together, I'm going to invite you uh, to um, read with me this traditional prayer of confession. And we'll spend some time in silence as we uh, prepare our hearts for God. Let's pray. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and left undone. We have not loved you fully, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. In the glory of your name, amen. Friends, hear this good news. Christ loves us no matter who we are or what we do. Christ loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. That proves Christ's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. May we feel God's presence. May we know the one who loves us. Let go of our distractions and turn our hearts to God. Let us be honest with God. Open up our broken hearts. Let us give thanks to God. It's a good thing to give thanks to God. God created everything we see and placed us here at this time in place. We were created in God's image. Our lungs are full of the breath of life. And even when we turned away and our love failed, God's love remained. God delivered us from captivity, promised to never leave us, and continues to speak to us. And so with everyone all over the earth, we praise God and join this ancient hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. God, you are unlike any other. We are grateful for coming to dwell amongst us in the person of Jesus. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. Jesus healed the sick and fed the hungry and ate with sinners. And with his example, he built the church and invited us to do the same, living and dying so that we might be delivered from all the mistakes that distract us. So on the night before he would hang on the cross, he took the bread and he gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. And he gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it and in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices and hold on to this great mystery. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Traditionally, communion is offered a single loaf of bread. The idea that, that a single loaf of bread comes, uh, comes many pieces, just as we are many different people who form one united community, a community built around the idea of giving ourselves to the world, that, that the things that God has given us, we give back to the world to make the world a better place, that, that, that the bread would be broken just as the body of Christ was broken. And the cup over which we give thanks is the sharing and the blood of Christ. So friends, the body of Christ given for you. blood of Christ given for you. All of God's people said,